Big news out of New York this week, John, and it's not the Yankees going to the playoffs. More on the pump fake coming up next. really fought the urge not to sing along, John. Really uh, I thought you were going it. to. I thought there was going to be singing again. No, no, no. Not this week. It wasn't very well received, I don't, I don't, I don't believe. All right. <laughs> the fans didn't like it. Well, here we are. Pump Fake Podcast. We are thepumpfake.com, and uh, we are a podcast. What is it? Five, six, seven? Oh, man. I think we're on uh, old number six here. I number think. six. All right. Counting the fantacular. Counting the fantacular. Yes. All right. Excellent. Moving right in. Big news. What do we got? Big news out of New York, John. Like we said in the opening there. Uh, Yankees did clinch, but uh, biggest news, I think, is uh, Plexico. He's taking a little trip for about two years. We're not going to see too much of him anymore. Two years. The sentence came down on Plexico. He's going to be two years in Fishkill Prison. Ah, Fishkill Prison. What a name for a prison. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hear some grumblings that people still think this is, like, way too severe and uh, you know, one of the headlines was like, you know, sad day. He brought his kids, brought his wife, and you know, their unborn child, the one he's afraid that he's going to miss the birth of. You know, it's the law, man. That's what we said the first time around on our first, the the, the grand opening of the pump fake. We said that uh, this was what needed to happen. Yeah, this is one of those things. You know, we discussed it originally. You know, the the in and outs. He brought the gun in. You know, he's arrested. And finally, got sentenced now. Two years going uh, going to upstate New York. Uh, not quite. Uh, seems like a nasty prison. Fish kill. I mean, <laughs> got to question that. I don't know. We got. We do got a clip of his attorney. Uh, kind of check out. Kind of see what we think here. Yeah, let's listen. I want to make uh, just a couple of observations. I think uh, uh, what just happened um, in the courtroom with uh, Mr. Boris being sentenced and uh, remanded is uh, uh, terribly sad um, and and very tragic. Um, what I said on the record, I will repeat. Um, you can violate the law. Uh, be subject to severe punishment and not be a criminal. Uh, Mr. Boris. Not be a criminal? He violated a law that has no. Not, not be a criminal? Did he, did he not break the law at all? Is, is, is bringing a gun unlicensed into a nightclub, I mean, that's legal now? Because when I go to the club here in Augusta, buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm strapping up now because, yeah. you know, it's, it, you're not a criminal. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know, it's not a necessarily a criminal act. He did shoot himself. And I think a lot of comparison, if you compare it to a non-football matter, whether it be uh, Chris Brown uh, beating up his, uh, his girlfriend uh, and getting 128 days probation. And you kind of look at that and you say, oh, geez, you know, uh, Plexico got two years and he shot himself. And Chris Brown beats up his girlfriend and he gets 120 days probation. Yeah, well, jail's for idiots and, you know, we have an idiot going away and... You mentioned Fishkill. That's the name of the that's the name of the establishment he's going to be living in. For that the next is. Two years. Uh, he went temporary to uh, Rikers Island, uh, where everyone stays according to Law and Order, because that's all they do in <laughs> Rikers Law yeah, and Order. Right. Uh, and then he's heading to Fishkill Prison, uh, where he'll be there. Their worries. He's going to get uh, beaten up. They're going to have to make special provisions, and it's yeah, going to be a tough road for him. Isn't that what uh, criminals call newbies in jail? Fresh fish on the line. So fresh it's fish kinda, on the line. Yeah, it's, it's ironic. Fitting. Yeah. You know, but from what I understand, though, too is. You know, he's a high-profile guy, obviously, in a jail, you know, full of just, you know, regular old criminals. And from what I understand is they're going to have to move him. He's going to serve a bulk of this 
kind of like by himself, like in his own little deal, away from general public, because, I mean, these guys are going to obviously mess with him because he's someone to be messed with, you know? Yeah, definitely they're going to they're gonna try to mess with him. And so they're going to keep him by himself. He's going to be sitting alone in his cell pretty much consistently. So it's going to be a lonely time. Ten bucks says he finds God. He finds God. I, I think everyone in jail does. Well, I mean, you know, most people I believe, but like, you know, ten, ten bucks. Yeah, ten, ten bucks. bucks. Ten bucks. You know what I propose? I propose we're going to get his address here at thepumpfake.com, and we're going to have a letter-writing campaign to Plexico, and we're going <laughs> to write him letters. Okay. What are we going to say in these, uh, these, these letters? I don't, we're we're going to write letters to Plexico, and we'll post them on the website, thepumpfake.com, our letters to Plexico, to see if he replies back and writes back to us. Okay. Well, I'm just glad that story's over, done. Yeah, it's well, enough of the uh, jailbreaking news. Yes, uh, we'll, see, we'll see him again when he's 34 and not playing for an NFL team. You think he's not going to play? Well, I mean, think about it. He was they 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 enacted, you know, they they got rid of him, you know, last year, what halfway through the season, right? So he won't have played football in almost three years. Three years, he's got. Be, tw- they say he's going to do twenty months with good behavior. Yeah, which he'll get. Which he'll get because he's going to be by himself. Because so he's I mean, by himself, I don't know how you do. can not be good. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. I, I, he can't have guns. And so I mean, <laughs> I, I guess we don't have to worry about shooting himself again. Yeah, I don't know what he could do. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's a question mark. I, it's going to be close. Uh, I think there's a still a chance that he plays in the NFL. Uh, yeah, you know, I got. I oh, got, he will. It'll just happen. I got. I got 15 percent that he plays. Okay. Well, I'm. Just, I'll take that because he's going to play, so it doesn't even matter. All right. Oh, an interesting point in this. I think do uh, do players that are somewhat questionable in their uh, demeanor not play in New York now because of this? They say if I'm a free agent. And maybe maybe I like to have guns. Do I think about not going to play for the Giants or the Jets because of the situation? Well, yeah. I mean, if you like to tote guns around, well, I'm know, just I saying. Mean, I'm, th- I'm yeah. just throwing that out there. Yeah, Is this I mean, a thing? Come, yeah. come play. You know, if you're a good football player, uh, all-star caliber, um, you know, who likes to tote guns and wants to live somewhere where there's easy gun laws, you can come down and play in Atlanta. Yeah, and you could be okay. Yes, I mean, we would love to have you here. I mean, even though we're off to a two and zero start, we would still love to have any. Pro Bowl type caliber players, you know that we they are welcome. <laughs> welcome, they are a welcome. Other addition. cities will welcome you if uh, New York does not yes. and does not allow you to shoot yourself. Yes, well, you know, staying in the New York area, um, apparently Ivan Drago wants to be in charge of uh, the Nets. The Mad <laughs> Russian uh, wants to buy the Nets. Seven hundred million dollars, big money. There, he's supposedly one of the richest men in the world. It's like nine point five million, and you're buying, billion or something, and you're buying the New Jersey Nets, which is interesting to me. The Nets are valued at two hundred ninety-five million, and he's buying them for seven hundred five, so he's overpaying a little. My big question is: Does Jay Z still get to like you know? Does he still keep his stake in the team? I think he's always <laughs> going to be a minority owner. It, it's one of those. It's just like the Miami situation and the Dolphin situation, where there's fifteen minority owners, yes. and all it really is is an outlet for them to play their music at the beginning of the game. Yeah, easy halftime show, uh, puts people in the seats, gets them season tickets consistently. Yeah, it's just yeah. well, this this could actually be good for the Nets because if that, uh, you know, if if basketball, um, you know, basketball don't have a salary cap, does it? I think you could just spend whatever you want, right? No, there's a salary cap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this guy could just pay whatever he wants for like LeBron. Well, he could he could spend a lot of money. Uh, but he said he's going to build their new stadium in Brooklyn, which is good out of his own pocket. 
I always when when owners come in and they're willing to spend money, and it, a lot of it's the same thing with with Cuban, and you have a lot of the a lot of the other guys, Steinbrenner, uh, just the big money owners that come in and are willing to really go out and up uh, upfit the facilities when you have good uh, training areas and really no expenses spared in the locker room, you know where guys can hang out there all day and not worry about getting in trouble, especially in Brooklyn and everything. Well, uh, that's what he's talking about doing, basically to your to your point there, you know. Uh, you know, nice amenities, you know, things like that, you know, because those draw players. Um, you know, he, he can well afford to do that, which will bring some of the bigger free agents in, like LeBron, because I know, you know, he's buddy-buddy with Jay-Z. You know, he wants to go to a big city, you know, when apparently Cleveland's not good enough playing in front of your hometown fans, you know, playing with the diesel. Yeah, you know. apparently that's not worth anything anymore. Yeah. Um, I think it's good as long as at halftime I can, I can watch uh, Ivan Drago box. Yeah. If if that happens, or if the new team motto is "I will crush you," I will crush you. If that happens, I'm I'm happy. I will be a New Jersey Nets fan right then and there. But yeah, boxing match at halftime. I'm into that. All right. Yeah, where he kills Apollo Creed. Death <laughs> in New York <laughs> Stadium. If he right. di- if he dies, he dies. <laughs> I mean, you can't you know you can't really beat that too much. So, um, moving right along. God, we're like just all in New York today. Yankees clinch the playoffs. What are we here? Forty eighth time in in league in in uh, in team history record. Uh, Yankees once again clinching. I think Girardi kept his job right there because I mean last year I don't think they didn't make the playoffs at all and Girardi was kind of a little bit on the hot seat. A little you... bit on the hot seat. I I like what the Yankees have done this year. Uh, they didn't do it with you know spending billions of dollars. I don't think, and it's more a little more team environment. A Rod's finally played well. Came back strong. Uh, I think there's a lot of people predicting he wouldn't be as good uh, with his injury. They didn't expect maybe I think he was they expected him to top out at twenty five home runs. He's already hit twenty seven, so I mean he's played well and he's kind of led the team. Yeah, um, you know I he you know the Steinbrenners are trigger happy. You know they they they're notorious for getting rid of people. Um, you know they like you said they really only brought in I mean they brought in some new pitchers you know CC and then um, you know they brought in Teixeira. You know, but I mean, they didn't. I mean, I don't really think this time around they went out and just blew the blew the bank open. Yeah, I wouldn't I mean? call AJ Burnett blowing the bank open or no, you know Sabathia. Yeah, really, but he was more last year, I think. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know, Sabathia, and then you got uh, Teixeira. So I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a big deal. I mean, you know, I, it's not like those Yankee teams of old where they would just go buy a bunch of people because a lot of these people have played for this team. You know, for the a good last long couple time, of years. Yeah. So. Um, you know, even though I'm not a Yankees fan, congratulations to the Yankees fans out there, and uh, you know, definitely. But um, real quick, this is just came across my uh, my desk here, um, and this has actually kind of been a long time coming, and I don't really know how I feel about this quite yet because it kind of hit me just as a ton of bricks. As a Atlanta Braves lifer, Bobby Cox signed a one year extension to manage the team for the 2010 season. That will be his last year in the dugout in Atlanta. It's it's you know his uh, Hall of Fame career in my mind is coming to an end. Fourteen consecutive uh, postseason appearances. They're right in the thick of things still uh, this year by a thread. Um, you know I, I don't know really how I feel about this right now. <laughs> it's uh, just you know yeah I'm actually a little bit surprised. I, I know there was there's been talk about this all day today uh, about him possibly retiring after this year. 
Uh, I think he kind of, you know, Frank Frank Wren, the uh, general manager, finally had to really come to him and say, we need you for one more year, Bobby, uh, before, uh, you know, I guess we all pretty much think Terry Pendleton's heir apparent. Uh, pretty close, maybe. Unless Chipper Jones wants to be player manager. Which uh, unless Chipper, <laughs> Chipper Jones wants to be player manager. You know, I could see that. But see, the interesting thing is, previously, he at the beginning of the year, especially in spring training, he was pretty angry at Frank Wren for the whole uh, John Smoltz situation. And there was words that, I mean, he really almost didn't even want to continue coaching this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Frank Wren finally had to do a little some talking to him and really talk him into just coming back for one more year, uh, really just, you know, doing these guys one more year. So Yeah. Well, I mean, as long as I can remember, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, in 1990 when he took over, um, you know, he's been the, he's been the manager. <laughs> you know, I mean, he has been – you know, he, he's, been, he's been the manager of the Braves, and now it's going to be weird to, you know, see. Kind of like when Leo Mazzoni left, you know, and uh, McDowell took over his role. It was weird, you know, because you always had Leo rocking in the dugout next to Bobby. And now Bobby's not going to be there. Um, you know, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's a happy day, you know, because, uh, you know, we know finally that he's going he's, he's gonna to leave. Hopefully next year will be a little bit better for the Braves. Take him out on a high note. Um, one has to think though: Is this the domino effect? Does Chipper leave now too? You know, does uh, this, I think does this I think signal the end? yeah. I think Chipper leaves at the end of 2010 also. So they go out together. Uh, I think they do go out together. But the interesting thing is, he's still going to be an advisor to the team. It's a five-year consulting agreement uh, after the one year is over. So I mean, he, he'll he'll be an advisor to the team in baseball operations after he steps down. So uh, I don't know if Chipper would move right away, but Chipper's been pretty much on the downhill climb, and I know it's got to be pretty close for him. 2010, I could possibly see. Yeah, I mean, that's like I said. I mean, this could possibly start the domino effect here. You know, they've, you know, they 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 kind of uh, unceremoniously got rid of Smoltz, uh, which I wasn't very happy about. Um, you know, me being, I guess, you know, kind of a, uh, I you know, I cling, you know, to these old timey players, I guess. But uh, you know, Chipper. He is, you know, I, I I see this possibly being one of the one of the decisions, you know, unless Pendleton takes over, you know, then I can see maybe Chipper hanging hanging around and depending on how he plays next year, because I think he's committed to next year. Yeah, I think he's definitely committed to next year, and if he doesn't yeah. produce at all, I think I gotta say that yeah. he would he would hang it up. So this could this could be the beginning of a whole new era in uh, Atlanta Braves history, uh, you know. I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, you know, sorry I you know kind of went off on that there, but uh, Bobby Cox will retire next year uh, after the 2010 season. Bobby Cox retiring after 2010. Yep. Late breaking pump fake news. Well, uh, John, I think we'll be back after the college football scoreboard uh, from the pump fake. Uh, enjoy, everybody. This is your pump fake college football scoreboard for week three. Florida, number one team in the land, beat Tennessee 23-13. to uh, Number two, Texas, beat up on Texas Tech 34-24 to with the Longhorns' defense keeping its wits about them in the fourth quarter when it forced two turnovers. Washington pulls the upset on number three, USC, 16-13 to after Eric Folk's 22-yard field goal. Alabama, number four team in the land, beats up on North Texas 53-7. to and number five, Penn State, 31 to six over Temple. Mississippi, Ole Miss, 52 over Southeastern Louisiana, number six to keep its number five ranking. Then we had then unranked Florida State, 54 against number seven, Brigham Young University, which only scored 28 points. And that was your big upset. Number eight, California, 35. 
beat Minnesota 21. Number nine, LSU 31, oh, the three over Louisiana Lafayette. Number 10, Boise State 51 over Fresno State, which only scored 34. Number 11, Ohio State 38 to zero over Toledo. Terrell Pryor threw for a career high 262 yards and ran for 110. Number 12, Oklahoma scored 45 and ran the ball all over Tulsa, which scored zero. Number 13, Virginia Tech beat Nebraska 16 to 15 in quite the little sneaker of a game. Virginia Tech's defense kept Nebraska out of the end zone and limited the Huskers to field goals. Number 20, Miami beat number 14, Georgia Tech 33 to 17. Number 15, TCU over Texas State 56 to 21. Oklahoma State gets back on its winning ways as the number 16 Cowboys beat on, on Rice 41 to 24. Uh, number 17, Cincinnati, 28 over Oregon State's 18. Oregon uh, beating the number 18 Utah Utes, 31 to 24. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks, 44 to 16 over Duke Blue Devils. Uh, and quite the offensive showdown, uh, number 23 Georgia Bulldogs beat Arkansas, 52 to 41. Uh, the number 24 North Carolina Tar Heels beat the East Carolina Pirates, 31 to 17. And your number 25 team in the land, Michigan, beat up on Eastern Michigan 45-17. to 17. This has been your Pump Fake College Scoreboard. And that has been our Pump Fake College Football Scoreboard. So, big games. Uh, last weekend, yeah, there was some big games. Big games. What do yeah. you want to talk about first? We got BYU. Well, I mean, there's BYU, there's USC. I mean, there's lots of, uh, lots of different options there, John. Uh, USC-Washington. I, I think I remember saying something that Washington was going to beat USC. I believe you did. I did. Jeez, wow. And the minute we said that, a certain television station announced that they thought that that was going to happen as well. But the thing is, and here's the interesting point, uh, ESPN, uh, our uh, non-affiliated network that likes to copy our news, uh, was, was talking that they thought this was going to happen. But then moving up to the game, they really retracted that and really went against that. And then everyone started picking USC again. It was no longer uh, Washington's going to win. It was just straight USC's going to win. They're a better team. Uh, we, we, we doubted uh, Washington. We were just talking. We weren't really saying they're going to win. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty... Uh, I mean, that was, that was a pretty uncharacteristic, uh, you know, USC team that we saw. I mean, they did not convert a third down all game. 0 for 10. 0 for 10. You, you can't win that way. I mean, you don't extend drives at that point. You know, um, you know, if you're not if you're not converting third downs, there's probably some positions where Pete Carroll probably went for it on fourth and whatever it was. You know, what I mean, so Washington clamped down on them pretty good. So I. You know, hats off to them. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is the fourth straight year that USC has lost to an unranked team after, you know, the aforementioned uh, Ohio State game. I mean, that's a big game, and, you know, I don't like the term trap game. I don't like the word letdown game, you know, but that's what this was. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's it set up really well for one of those uh, trap games, a way to say uh, – uh, really, but USC heading into Washington, it's one of those uh, cross-country travel games, uh, heading in from another uh, out-of-town game, back-to-back uh, -back road games. Uh, and, and then you got the uh, USC quarterback, uh, Corp, who did not look good at all. Uh, and apparently we now know why uh, Barkley's a starter. 
yeah. as a true freshman. Absolutely. Uh, if you look at uh, the guy you have as a backup, Corp is not good at all. Uh, I really didn't expect that. I don't know how this guy was recruited uh, to really be a backup. Apparently, he's not Matt Castle as a backup. I mean, 110 yards passing with the interception. His average pass was five yards. I mean, it, that's not USC football. And we look at McKnight had 11 carries for 100 yards, but only, he only had 11 carries. I mean, come on. Yeah, just all in all, I think. Um, you know, I, I just I, I think USC may have just overlooked this all the way around. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't like to say that. You know, maybe it's maybe it's um, something Pete Carroll's doing. You know, you got to think. I mean, those players haven't been there all four years, but they continue to lose those games. So yeah, I think it really says a lot about the Ohio State passing offense when uh, you have a guy come in there, the Washington offense, uh, and uh, Locker comes in and throws for two hundred and thirty-seven yards on him. Uh, it says a lot about what Pryor can't do. If yeah. Pryor was able to pass, they would have won that ball because obviously USC pass defense is not up to snuff. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, if really if Ohio State had anything, they would have really beat them. Because I thought Ohio State played a better game, and I still say Ohio State should have won that game. It's just one of those things. And then you go into this game, Washington, they were able to pass the ball, and they won. Yeah. You know, um, don't panic any USC fans out there. Don't, you know, don't hang yourself yet. You guys did this last year. You roll, You rattled off, you know, the last, what, seven games in a row, you know, eight games in a row. You're going to be fine setting up BCS-wise. You know, nobody's going to go undefeated except for Florida, I don't think. So, you know, it's, it's going to set up fine for them. They're going to be fine. Um, they just got to they gotta figure this out, you know, for the next upcoming seasons, you know. Um, if they're going to continue to play those big early game, early season games like the Ohio State game, they got to figure out how to rebound and get off that emotional high and be like, you know, okay, you know, we got to settle in for Washington. But let's not discount what the Washington coaching staff did too. I mean, you know, that's a you know that's an old USC coach, um, you know, knows that program, knows that offense in and out. You know, he fantastic job by the coaching staff of um, you know of Washington. I mean, it was it was a great game to watch. Yeah, it was an excellent game. Uh, I think USC does have to look for that because I mean that's the second straight year. Last year, I think they lost to Stanford. Uh, Stanford or Cal? Uh, no, I don't. I, don't, I think it was like Oregon State. It was, was the, it Oregon State? I think it was the Beavs. Something like that. The Beavs. Uh, it, a couple of years ago, they did lose to Stanford. I know. Yes. Yeah, yes. They did. Yes. Ah, you know Washington. I mean, that was Washington's game of the year, uh, so they had to win. I think they're way overranked now. I don't think they're that good. I think they're just set up for that one game. I think now they're twenty-five in the nation. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I do kind of question that big move. I mean, I know you beat the number three team in the uh, in the country. I don't think it always justifies moving up into the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the voters get a little uh, vote happy, I guess, and, and just jump a team pretty high. Uh, I still think there's better teams out there. Well, they like to watch, they, they like to uh, ride that wave. I mean, as we saw, Miami jumped up from twenty to nine. Yeah, so big Miami jump. You know, so I mean, you know, I think they like to ride ride that wave. They see a hot team, they they you know they vote them in, and you know, next week, you know, they they have a chance to either prove us wrong here at the pump fake that maybe they're a little overrated, or they do what pretty much every team that we pick does. Just prove us right. Well, and here's the thing: and uh, Georgia Tech, Miami, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech, number fourteen in the country, played uh, number twenty in Miami, uh, then twenty Miami. Uh, so we look at this was Thursday, September seventeenth. Uh, I had really Georgia Tech in this game, and uh, I really based this on a lot of what uh, Jacksonville State did to uh, Florida State. I had really Florida State as a not very good team. And that was proved long, wrong later as they destroyed BYU. 
So, I mean, really with Florida State winning big uh, also on Saturday and then looking at Miami really, you know, laying it on Georgia Tech, you have to say that, geez, those are two very tough teams. They really did play each other hot. Yeah, and I have a feeling, too, that that Florida State upset over BYU, um, I think that that actually helped Miami's cause as well. Yeah, I think that that's really what really pushed them up a I lot. I think so, too, because, because yeah. they beat, you know, it, it was evident that they beat a really good football team. Yeah, as, and as I well. really I really liked BYU in that team. I just really don't really understand the uh, Florida State showing versus Jacksonville State uh, last it, week. I think it's classic just look-ahead, man. It's just a look-ahead, but... It, Jacksonville State's just not a good team. I still just don't understand that game at all. And maybe that's just the old coach just not coaching off of uh, after a big game. And it could be the same thing in USC. But I just it's just bizarre to me. It, it makes it really hard to uh, try to scope out these games when you have uh, a game like Jacksonville State. It just destroys my whole concept of Florida <laughs> State-Miami. But now I, I'm happy to say that I'm impressed by both of them. I, yes. I think uh, – they're both probably underranked. I think Miami's probably one of the best teams in the country right now. Uh, I think any team in the top 10 does not want to play them. I think they would probably lose. Uh, and But we'll really see what they're all about this, this weekend against Virginia Tech. Well, really the next two weeks, because we talked earlier today, the first four games are versus ranked opponents. I mean, you know, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, number 25, number 24 opponents. I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, they're, they're about to play Oklahoma. Uh, they play the number 11 team in the country, Virginia Tech. Um, you know, Florida State, I think, was, you know, ranked kind of low when they first started the year, you know, but I don't really – those initial rankings don't mean anything to me, really, because nobody's played anything. So I don't really count that. But, I mean, four ranked teams, if they go 4-0, we talked about earlier, they legitimately could challenge for that number one position due to the fact that the number one team in the country hasn't played a whole lot of, uh, you know, top caliber teams per se. It, but I think it's almost reversed because when you look at the rest of Miami's schedule, they actually don't play anyone. Uh, I mean, you have Duke and Virginia, of course. Uh, Clemson, uh, you know, might be okay. Florida A&M. So it's like they kind of roll into, after all these big games, into uh, nothingness. Yeah, but at least they play some teams, I guess, that have some name value behind them. I mean, True. Well, because you get in the ACC. So, Clemson, I mean, Wake Forest. Wake yeah. Forest. You know, um, looks like here. North uh, Carolina. North Carolina. So, I mean, you know, they play some teams with some, some name value to them, at least. I mean, you're not playing Troy. You're not playing, you know, University of Florida International, whatever the, they're called, you know. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. They, they have a, they're, they're in a really good position to jump ahead of some teams early this year, get the inside track, and if they can continue to win, you know, we might, we might uh, see them, you know, in a BCS game, BCS title game perhaps. Uh, I think Miami might be back, sir. Miami's back. The U is back. Yes, yes. After a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a drop off, but everybody go see that. So I know you're itching to talk about this BYU game because that was just an annihilation. I was Florida State fifty four, BYU twenty eight. Just an absolute thrashing, and the score doesn't even give justice to what Florida State did to because they own this game. Double the digits, whole game. double digit scoring every quarter, but the first. And the first quarter, in my opinion, is always a feel out quarter. You have scripted plays that you run. Um, you know, so you really not opening up the playbook a whole lot in that first quarter, trying to get a feel for what the other team's doing defensively, offensively. So I don't count that, but you know, 23, 14, 10, the last three quarters of the game. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And it was really, I can't even say it's just interceptions. Uh, Florida state cornerbacks were just good. And I mean, BYU was that you knew they were going to throw the ball. They were going to throw the ball all day. They still threw the ball, but that's because they were down by 20 points half the time. Yeah. Uh, you look at they had 365 yards passing, 
But uh, Hall threw three interceptions. Uh, Florida State will beat you every time if you do something like that. Yeah, their corners are just amazing. Florida, Florida teams in general, you know, Miami, Florida State, Florida, they've got the deepest talent pool in the country to pull from. You know, there's a lot of good players there, you know, and a lot of good players to go around. I mean, could you imagine if Florida just had one university? Uh, <laughs> that team would be – that team could probably play the Lions and win. Not saying that they probably couldn't now. They could probably play the Detroit Lions and win. You know, they could be the pro team. But – you know, I, I I'm just I'm still kind of shocked about that because I, I know uh, because I did have Florida State not as good, but it's also because I had BYU as just the best BYU team ever uh, that I've ever really seen, uh, and I just thought they were a really good team. And, yeah, well, uh, they looked good. They could pass the ball. Their defense was was actually pretty decent from what we've seen. Uh, they were able to run the ball just a little bit. It, they really had nothing against Florida State. Yeah. Well, and, and two, you know, we talked about how Florida State looked so bad versus Jacksonville State, even though they won that game. What was remind me again? What was the score of that Miami Florida State game? You know, early in the year, I, I I think they were they only lost by what four points? Yeah, I think it was thirty five, thirty three, or something like that. Something yeah. weird like that. So you got to think. I mean, they took a very good Miami team to the brink too. I mean, they almost they almost won that game as well. So Florida State may not be as bad as you know we maybe you know jump the gun, but you know we we may have jumped the gun on you know the demise of the Seminoles. Yeah, it's still um, shaping up. If the Seminoles keep playing this way, uh, Florida State, Florida is going to be quite the uh, better game than we thought. Yeah, because uh, Florida State's uh, number eighteen now, I believe. Uh, so we're looking at possibly two top tens playing two t- two top ten teams playing uh, in late November. Yeah, uh, possibly for uh, maybe national championship. Uh, close, maybe. We'll have to see how the rest of the season shakes out. How the rest of the season shapes out, but that's a pretty big game. If Florida State's number one, all likely, uh, they probably will. Uh, Playing Florida State, if they went out, uh, probably looking at... uh, One versus a top 10 team. Yeah, 1-8, I could see pretty easily. Yeah, 1-8-9 area. uh, It's going to be tough for Florida State to move up any higher than that, I would imagine. They don't really got anybody else left. I mean, Tech's dropping pretty hard. Well, like I said earlier, though, too, if Miami keeps putting out strong performances as they have been, that really helps Florida State. Yeah, because that four-point loss won't look as bad. Right, because it's like, you know, we lost by four points to Possibly Miami. the best team in the country, maybe. Yeah, so it doesn't hurt them as bad as maybe everybody thought it did, you know, after, you know, you know during the aftermath there. But staying with our Florida frame of mind here, the big story in the SEC, Florida-Tennessee, normally a big game, hasn't been the last couple of years. Tennessee's been having some down, some downtime. Um, really, this really this had the potential for most people's mind. Well, they were favored by what thirty points when that the spread. Like, the uh, spread. It was close, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. It was yeah. all it was all around there. You know, and then you had rumblings of Florida, Florida saying that if we can beat them by a you know if we can score hundred points, we're going to do that. You know, just uh, just uh, pure amounts of crazy talk. Yeah, yeah, because you know you've got two coaches with huge egos. I mean, you got to think Urban Meyer comes to the SEC, wins two national titles right off the bat. You know, he's got the best player in college football, Tim Tebow. You know, very good Florida team, you know, coming in. Lane Kiffin wanting to make a statement in the SEC. Tennessee has looked bad. It, it had all implications like, uh, you know, Florida might run up the score, uh, could win by 100. Yeah, and I, we watched that game, and I was very surprised. It was a very good game. Um, you know, I, I was very impressed with the Tennessee showing. Um, a lot of people saying Tennessee played not to not to get blown out. I don't know. I mean, I, th- I thought Tennessee was playing to win. Playing to win. I, I think it showed a lot of vulnerability in the uh, Florida defense uh, because they can't stop the run. Nope. Uh, they can't stop the pass, though. So, I mean, Tennessee was really forced to run. 
that we're losing. But if you can't pass, then you just got to run, and hopefully right. you break one. But so I mean, that's all they had. So that's what they're doing. Yeah, um, you know, and, and this really kind of broke down to Urban Meyer versus Lane Kiffin as well. War of words. Even after the game, you know, it broke out that I guess Urban Meyer said he took it. He he kind of he didn't open up the playbook as much as he wanted to because he had flu-like sy- symptoms on his team. You know, uh, just just more just like yeah, we didn't play that well because we were sick. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, that seems weak. Uh, I mean, come on. It, if you're sick, then you got to say it beforehand. I mean, this is this is something you just you just talk about. Like, yeah, we're not feeling well. We might not win by a hundred. We're going to win by fifty. Okay. Uh, I mean, I know, and I know Florida, um, you know, held six players out of practice with flu-like symptoms. Thought it might have been swine flu, you know, type deal. You know, I still think that they had the talent to score a little bit more points. I just think Tennessee's defense was just that good. I think Monty Kiffin, uh, the defensive coordinator, the father of Lane Kiffin, really had a good game plan. He really showed again why he's master uh, coordinator uh, of defense and really just had a good game plan for Tebow and really shut him down, uh, whether it be through Tebow's running uh, or through his passing. They really just had a game plan to defend that. And uh, I think it's going to be a model. Uh, that every other SEC team is going to watch. And it's going to be really interesting to come see to see how Florida is able to handle that now because it's going to be a defense they're going to use against them. And then that same offense that Tennessee ran, you're going to see that ran against uh, Florida again. Georgia's going to do the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I the, the Lane Kiffin-Urban Meyer thing, you know, is, is, is pretty good. You know, I think it's what this rivalry needed to maybe put a little bit more, you know, behind it now, you know. Um, Florida looked Florida looked good. I think they could have scored more points, but Tennessee's defense was just outstanding. You know that day. Um, you know, big ups to the Tennessee Volunteers. They they played a heck of a ball game. Um, you know, Florida sick or not, to me that's not an excuse. Um, you know, you go out there and you play. Um, as far as Tennessee playing not to lose, I, I don't think that's correct at all. And uh, I I just think Urban Meyer's defense confused and uh, you know took advantage of uh, you know Tim Tebow a little bit. Took advantage of him definitely. Yep. We do have uh, Lane Kiffin's thoughts after the game. Oh, do we? Yeah, let's, uh, we can cut live into Kiffin here. Sweet. This offseason, Commissioner made a big deal about a renewal of vows and what we're supposed to say about other teams, other coaches, and other players. Uh, obviously, Urban feels he doesn't need to follow that. Uh, we, we won't. We won't say anything else. Would you ever say another team or coach didn't play to win? No, I would never say that. Do you have some concerns right now? I know that's something Florida was, was battling. Do you have concerns that this team? May have some issues with, with some sickness. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll wait and see. And after we're not excited about a performance, we'll tell you that everybody was sick. <laughs> The battle rages on. I think we'll see this uh, for the next couple of years. You can only hope. Uh, just this kind of slight war of words. I love that more than anything. Just this, the dig at the end. Maybe when we're not happy, we'll say that we were sick. I don't. I don't know if it's wise for Lane Kiffin to be running his mouth. Um, he was a lackluster NFL coach. Uh, you know, he he had some good teams out there at USC. You know, that, you know that's talent based out there. They've got a deep talent pool to pull from as well. Um, you know, we, we're, we're going to have to see how the rest of Tennessee season shakes out to see if there's any validity to any of this trash talking Lane Kiffin is doing. And it's not, you know, don't poke the bull, man, because, you know, next year, you know, Florida could be reloaded. I know this is Tebow's last year, but they've always got somebody waiting in the wings. So, yeah, what's Tennessee got, though? If you don't if you don't have this, I mean, you're not quite the huge talent pool. You're a smaller state. And you got a bunch of musicians up there in Nashville. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not a big trash talking guy. Yeah. That's just me. 
you know. I you like know. coaches talking smack, though. It's TV, it's yeah. more educational. It's like more intellectual conversation. It's not quite the, you know, you suck, I'm going to I'm gonna run the ball down your throat kind of thing. It's, yeah. you know, if, if you, if you, uh, it's <laughs> you know, a, he's a, t- talking about the commissioner, you know, and he's like, you know, I thought we weren't supposed to do that. You know, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, you're an idiot. You did, you know. <laughs> it's entertaining to say the least. So, but uh, we've got a huge college football weekend, I think, this 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 weekend coming up. I know uh, you heard the scores on the uh, Pump Fakes uh, college scoreboard just now, so we don't really need to run through those. But we've got some uh, we've got some really good college football games this weekend, John. Oh, big games this weekend. Uh, a lot of good action. I think it really starts Thursday with uh, Ole Miss versus South Carolina. Uh, so I mean, we'll have to see uh, if Ole Miss can handle uh, going into South Carolina. I think we're really going to see if Ole Miss is for real, you know, if they are deserving of what, that number five ranking? Is that what they are, number five? Yeah, I'm still kind of shocked about that. I, I Yeah, we're still almost ready to call them overrated, but not quite yet. I think they're able to handle South Carolina, though. It sets up bad because, I mean, these games have always been uh, high scoring. There's a history of high scoring games in, uh, Miss, in Ole Miss, South Carolina. South Carolina offense hasn't quite been high scoring, but Georgia, I mean, I don't know, yeah. so... Well, I mean, you know, last last uh, you know the last meeting between the two, USC, uh, they dropped thirty one points on Old Miss, uh, beating them uh, thirty one to twenty four, and um, the last SEC opener that Old Miss has won was all the way back in two thousand three, John. So, you know, there's there's not a very good history for the Old Miss Rebels, you know, starting out the year in the SEC. So, you know, I think I think it sets up well, like you said, for South Carolina maybe to uh, find some of that black magic, you know. Uh, over there in William Bryce on uh, Thursday night. I, don't know, I think it's going to be a close game. I still like Ole Miss in this game, though. It's three and a half points. Uh, I think I still like Ole Miss in it, really. I, I don't have any faith in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, interesting stat here, though, too. Um, I found last night in the wee, in the wee uh, hours of the morning um, was that on Thursday ESPN games, okay, three out of the four teams this year, the uh, the home team, they've won those games. And the only time that a team at home has lost was the first Thursday night game, which was to the South Carolina Gamecocks. So not saying that that's, you know, any kind of real telling stat, but it's interesting. It's kind of a fun fact. A fun fact here on the Pump Fake. Yeah. Of course, we are thepumpfake.com, rolling through the college football weekend ahead. Yes. So... What do you um? So what do you feel on this game? You still feeling Ole Miss is gonna pull this one out then? Yeah, I like Ole Miss in the three and a half. Yeah, I I think I think Ole Miss by a field goal. Um, you know South Carolina may find some magic. You know, and if they do win, you know it'll it, it'll be a huge coup to the old ball coach up there in Columbia. And uh, you know Ole Miss by a field goal. That's what I think. Um, I think we've got a really underrated game, kind of flying under the radar coming on on Saturday. Uh, Arkansas versus number three Alabama. Yeah, it's one of those games, Arkansas, Alabama. And the thing is, we saw a lot about Arkansas uh, playing against Georgia. Uh, and really, Arkansas is a little underrated. Uh, the quarterback transfer, uh, Mallet from uh, Michigan, uh, who looked really, really good. He's six foot 12, uh, about <laughs> 300 pounds, and the kid can throw the ball. So it uh, could be an interesting game against Alabama. He tied an Arkansas record for five passing touchdowns in that game. Um, against Georgia. So he is one of my he, he is one of my very big keys to this game. They're only going to go Arkansas um as far as Ryan Mallett will take them. Um I just have concerns about Arkansas's lack of defense by letting Georgia, you know, post 52 against them last weekend. That kind of throws up a real big red flag. I mean, you know, you've got a quarterback having a career night and your defense can't do anything to stop Georgia. 
Um, you know, not, not downing Georgia. They're a good football team, but 52 points good? Uh, I just don't know. I think that defense is a little uh, a little shaky right now. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know. Uh, I, I still like Arkansas in this game. It's plus 17 for Arkansas. Uh, Alabama's favored by 17 points. Uh, I just don't think that uh, they have enough to stop all of Arkansas's offense. I think Mount's still going to be able to get the ball downfield. So I like a plus seventeen. I think they'll still lose by ten, but you know. Yeah, you just you just have to you just couple 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 keys here. Alabama's pass defense because Ryan Mallett does like to throw the ball around. If if Alabama can really shut that down, then it really makes Arkansas you know really one dimensional with the running game. Um, you know which you know they they looked okay versus Georgia. I'm not going to go out on them and say they got the best running game or anything, but um, if they can shut down Ryan Mallett, really you know that's going to be a real key to victory there. And Alabama's running game as well, controlling the clock. Uh, you know, if if Ryan Mallett does catch fire again and have another five touchdown performance, you got to keep him off the field. So Alabama's running game is going to be uh, key here as well. Key so, to the game, Alabama running game. All right. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think if Bama wins, it's going to be a blowout. I, I think if Arkansas can do any kind of thing and you know potentially win this game, it's going to be very close. It's going to be you know ten points or less. I, th- I think this is the year uh, that Arkansas kind of loses games all pretty close, and uh, next year they look really good. Okay. So well, I think it's one of those years for Arkansas where the record, when you look at it next year, you'll say, oh, Arkansas wasn't very good at all last year. But then you look at the scores and they lost by like not very much, about 10 points each time, maybe less. And you're like, mm, Arkansas is better than people think. Yeah. Big game. Big game out there in the SEC West. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. Um, another game here, too, that caught my eye. And I totally forgot they were playing. Number nine, Miami at number 11, Virginia Tech. That's going to be that's going to be a very telling game, I think, for both teams, really. Yeah, really both teams. This is one of the ones I know we touched on earlier. It's one of those uh, close games. Miami heading into Virginia Tech. Uh, Miami is three-point favorites. Uh, Virginia Tech, the home team, is plus three. So, I mean, you look at uh, it's one of those games that's going to be close. Uh, Virginia T- Usually you would give it to Virginia Tech special teams at home. Uh, you like the Beamer uh, at home. So, I don't know. I could go both ways on this just because it's, it's kind of close. I, I, don't, I don't really have a good take on it yet. Uh, I'm kind of up in the air. You're going to have to wait for my Twitter update on that. <laughs> um, Ja'Cory Harris, the Miami quarterback, is a stud. And I really feel like if he could continue his hot streak here um, you know, versus you know, a Virginia Tech defense that allowed Alabama to do whatever they wanted, um, you know, I think Virginia Tech could be in for a long afternoon. Um, you know, but another key, you know, Virginia Tech's got a good uh, you know, quarterback on there, and too, Tyrod Taylor. You know he uh, he could definitely light up that scoreboard as well. So go either way. I'm going to take Virginia Tech here by ten points. Um, you know this will be Miami's third ranked team in three weeks. So I mean maybe that rough little uh, schedule here at the very beginning of the year for Miami might catch up to them a little bit. Oh, so you think it's wearing on them already? Hmm. It, it could be. I mean that's a lot of pressure. They you know this team hasn't been in this position. Um, you know before uh, as we talked about earlier. You know Miami's kind of had a drop off the last couple years. I just I think I think my I think Virginia Tech could really you know pull this one out. I'm not discounting Miami; they very well you know very well may win this game, um, you know. But uh, you know, look out for Virginia Tech here. You know, they're going to be playing at home. Uh, they're going to be jacked up. So you know, three weeks of ranked opponents. I mean, that's 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 a hell of a schedule. All right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see how that one plays out. I'm probably going Miami. I like the U. So uh, continue on. Other big game. Uh, there's got to be a night game in here that we like, don't we? 
Yeah, is there no ABC night game of the week? Game of the week, night game. Well, we got Arizona State, Georgia. Uh, interesting matchup, not great. I'm interested to see if Georgia's offense can keep up that uh, ridiculous um, offensive explosion they've had the last two weeks. Uh, they've scored, you know, <laughs> Georgia's defense has given up almost 70 points or more in the last two weeks. Georgia's defense is really going to have to buckle down on this. I think Iowa's on TV. Oh, are they? Yeah, I'm going to go out on the rim and say Iowa, Penn State. Penn State to be you on TV? Uh, could be. Yeah, it is Penn State. Uh, Iowa at Penn State on ABC at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock game. And, and that's interesting to talk about because ah, I do like Iowa for my upset special. Why do you like Iowa, sir? Iowa is secretly good. Secretly good? Yes. Ricky Stanzi, the quarterback of Iowa, can pass the ball. And Penn State is still overrated. <laughs> I have them overrated all year. The, Oh, we have a little interruption here. I'm sorry about that. My bad. Error. I've had them overrated all year, and they continue to be overrated. They're playing their first tough opponent, and Iowa has always played them consistently tough, and they beat them last year, uh, and they will beat them again this year. Yeah, I mean, Iowa's right now riding a uh, seven-game uh, winning streak. Uh, they haven't lost, actually, since the uh, Penn State game last year. So, Nittany Lions have won 24 straight home games against unranked opponents by an average of almost 26 points a game. So you still think that Penn State is a little overrated? I think Penn State is overrated. Okay. I, and I, you say, you know, I was an unranked team, but they're probably 27 if you really consider the rankings out farther. So they're slightly out of the top 25. So this is still a really close battle, you know. Uh, I just think Penn State's overrated at five. Uh, I think they're more of a 15 team. I just think they're still too young, but we'll see. Okay, so is that is that your upset special of the uh, of the uh, weekend, sir? The uh, Iowa Iowa going into uh, Penn State and uh, beating them. I have Iowa winning. Okay, at Penn State because Penn State's angry and, and they're they're angry and they really want to win this game, but I think Paterno's old, <laughs> and I don't think anger helps them. So you're going you're going straight on on age. I'm going straight on age. Okay, and the fact that Penn State's very angry. But I actually really think uh, Ricky Stanzi's a very good quarterback, and uh, I think you're going to see a little something out of him on the national stage. Uh, and then you'll be saying um, NFL out of this kid. So okay. we'll see. Uh, well, you've been on a roll here right lately with your upset specials. I uh, yeah, the upset special. Should we should we break it down? Uh, well, We're, I'm 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 zero for one with my Tennessee over Florida. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know if you really. I, I went out on that limb though. You did go out on a limb, and it was a close game. I mean, we, I was you know for for a while there. It was looking like my prediction was going to come true, and we were going to yeah. get some major backslapping here, you know, for me. Yeah, it, it was close though. It didn't work out that way. Yeah. Though. All right. So you know, uh, a couple of odds and ends here about college football. Georgia, Georgia, Florida game. Uh, there was rumors that they were maybe not keeping that in Jacksonville. I know Georgia didn't want to be in Jacksonville. Florida wanted to keep it there because it's basically an extra home game for the University of Florida. Uh, they just signed a new six-year contract uh, to uh, today that's going to keep it in Jacksonville through 2016. Not much more I can really say about that, uh, you know. Oh, it's interesting. That what's up with all the talk about them not going to do it and then doing it? Yeah, well, I think it was all one-sided on 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 Georgia's side of the, okay. of, of the field here that they wanted to move it. Um, I would have been all for like a you know one one year in Athens, one year in Gainesville. You know, I would have been all for that. I think there were some proposals doing one in Jacksonville, one in Atlanta. You know, I think that scenario was uh, was talked about as well. 
Uh, but we'll give it. We'll give Florida the extra home game. I think they're always worried if they start doing home and away, where there might be a time where they'll say, "Well, we don't do it this year." And you know, it's like, see, there's always a team you don't play. Right. I believe in your conference, and I think they're always worried that they're going to lose the rivalry if we don't have it at this neutral field and create this, you but, know, but that's semi environment. It's not a neutral field, though, Jacksonville. It's not a neutral field. It's still <laughs> it's still Florida, but you can't really have it in Georgia. What are we going to have it in Myrtle Beach or? Uh, no, you can't do it in Myrtle Beach either. That's too close proximity to Athens. Really, I tell you where they do play it. They play in Colcom Stadium in San Diego. That is a true neutral field. <laughs> the, the, we have just extended the budgets of uh, the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes, that to is where, to that, where they have to fly to Qualcomm Stadium. That is where to you play, play the it. game. That is where you play it. You know, or you know, you give each team their bye week the week before, and you play it in Honolulu at the Pro Bowl. Honolulu <laughs> at the Pro Bowl. All right, nice little vacation. We're really setting up these kids that live in. Fairweather schools to say, let's go to another Fairweather city across the country and take your vacation. All yes. right, kids, enjoy your fun. Yes. I mean, that's a true neutral field, John. Jacksonville, you know, municipal stadium, whatever the hell it's called, that is not neutral. It takes a lot longer to get to Athens to Jacksonville than it does from Gainesville to Jacksonville. It does. So you really got to feel for those Athens kids. Even though my Georgia Bulldogs, they, uh, they travel well, the fan base does, it's still, you know, it's, it's not truly neutral. I don't, I don't buy that at all. So, you know. Um, and uh, the just on a weird note here, College Hall of Fame is uh, going to move to Atlanta. That is where you'll be able to go see all of your favorite college football memorabilia. Uh, you make the short drive, if you live in Georgia, to the state capitol, and you'll be able to see all that there. So I think, uh, you know, did you want to break down your uh, – your upset special there, John? The 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 Iowa versus the No, I just State. take Iowa. I'm gonna have some more updates on the website as far as I have the rest of the games pretty much uh, rounded out and picked. I'll have those up later tonight. Uh, I'll probably have some late game stuff on uh, Twitter. You can follow us at uh, at pfake. Uh, check us out on the web at uh, thepumpfake.com. Always, if you do have a question, you can hit us up on our hotline, one eight seven seven two nine four fake That's one eight seven seven two nine four three two five three. I think we're going to go into a little NFL scoreboard here and come yes, back the, with all the NFL discussion. The always entertaining Pump Fake NFL scoreboard coming up next. Uh, sit tight. This is your pump fake NFL scoreboard for week two. Atlanta started us off this weekend with a 28-20 win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the ageless one and Minnesota Vikings, with behind Brett Favre's 155 yards passing, beat the Detroit Lions 27-13. Ocho Cinco got to dive in the crowd this week at Lambeau. Cincinnati beating Green Bay 31-24. Houston, behind Matt Schwab's 357 yards passing, beat the Tennessee Titans 34-31. Oakland Raiders uh, continue their surprising improvement uh, over the Kansas City Chiefs, 13-10. And the Rex Ryan trash-talking New York Jets beat the New England Patriots, 16-9. New Orleans, 48. Philadelphia, 22 behind Drew Brees. And Philadelphia had Kolb with 391 yards. Washington, 9. St. Louis, 7. Arizona, 31. Jacksonville, 17. Buffalo, 33, Tampa Bay, 20, Leftwich had 296 yards passing. San Francisco, 23, 
Seattle, 10. Gore, 207 yards rushing. That kid can run. Chicago, 17. Pittsburgh, 14. Behind a Robbie Gold field goal. Baltimore, 31. San Diego, 26. Rivers, 436 yards passing. What's up with all the passing this week? Denver, 27. Cleveland, 6. And the New York Giants, 33. Dallas, 31. In the new Dallas Stadium, they lost. Yep, this has been your pump fake NFL scoreboard for week number two. All right, coming back from the scoreboard. Hope everybody enjoyed that. We're going to talk about some NFL, and uh, he's, he's back this week. He is allowed to play again. Uh, Michael Vick will be on the sideline, fully dressed, padded up, Willie, uh, for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. Um, you know, thoughts? Any, any thoughts? Well, the Vic is back, and you, you say, uh, all right, it, it's exciting times. You know, uh, wow, is he going to play, though? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you look at uh, Kolb had okay passing. I mean, he passed for almost 400 yards, uh, played good. McNabb still hurt, still not practicing. Uh, we signed Jeff Garcia uh, to the Eagles, uh, so uh, Vic will probably be out there, I think. I don't think he does much. Uh, I don't think you can compare him and say uh, him coming back this week is like saying, you know, Brady coming back uh, midseason last year or something like that. Uh, it's more we'll see a little bit of action on the field, maybe a couple plays, nothing spectacular, I don't think. Yeah, you know, He's coming back against a good opponent, the Kansas in the in the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I I could see him in some variation of whatever Andy Reid's got thrown together, Wildcat wise. Um, they you know I, I don't they didn't have the personnel at the beginning of training camp to a really good. I, I don't think install any Wildcat formations. Um, when Vic came along, I think it was a uh, you know kind of a. Uh, oh God, how do you put this? They I just don't think it's well, together I, something. It's, it's actually it's not the Wildcat. Because what Miami runs is a true wildcat. Is because because there's no when, when Vic comes in, is it the uh, is it the uh, pit bull offense? It's the pit bull offense that... because it's actually a dog attacking you. No, what it is <laughs> is because Miami is no threat to throw the ball unless they have Pat White in, and that's a different play. Because that's why when they do wildcat stats, you look at uh, we have uh, McFadden at quarter or not McFadden uh, Ronnie Brown Ronnie Brown at quarterback. Uh, when Vic is in at quarterback, they're running this wing T kind of running out. I'm going to pass or I have option pass or option run. It's not necessarily where Ronnie Brown's playing. It's Wildcat where it's option run. There's three of them. I'll be, I'll be interested to see the wing T in, in a pro game. I know we, we, we ran it in high school uh, for a little bit. It's a very complex offense, uh, but, I mean, you're dealing with professionals. They should be able to pick it up rather quickly. Um Kolb is a starter. Uh, Jeff Garcia, the uh, newly signed Eagle. Um, they're still debating whether or not who who's second, who's third in the rotation. There, you're, you're gonna see Vic on the field. It's gonna happen. He's gonna Andy Reid will play to the crowd. They're gonna want to see him. And um, you know, I hope for Kolb's sake that uh, Vic doesn't do well. Because if Vic does well, then those raucous Philly fans are gonna just be like, start Vic forever. Well, this is crazy because. We're in the NFL um, type of year where you only bring two quarterbacks to a game. Just with the amount of uh, special teams guys you really need to really run a good NFL offense throughout the year, to run like all your defensive line sets, because you need to rotate in defensive line people all day against these offenses now. You can only really carry two quarterbacks. 
But now we're in a situation where we're going to have to carry Kolb. We really have to carry Garcia because if Kolb gets hurt, you don't really can you trust Vic to run the whole offense as backup? Not right now. And you just signed Garcia, so you have to carry Garcia. But then you say, oh, wow, I really have to carry Vic too because I want to get him in the game? That's yeah. three quarterbacks. Yeah, that's four. Well, that's four when McNabb comes back. But McNabb's not going to practice. He's not going to play this game. Yeah, and they had to cut uh, Kendra's husband, uh, Hank Basket, to uh, make room for Vic on the uh, on the roster. So, you know, sorry to him. But he's catching passes from a more capable quarterback these days than Peyton Manning. So, you know, I, I think I, Vic, I think it's just basically – I think you'll see him at garbage time. I don't think you'll see him in the first – first quarter second quarter but you, you you probably will though yeah i think he'll run in in some weird set uh they'll use him as a decoy i think more than anything oh i i imagine like all of a sudden you'll see garcia and vic come in there and Kolb's already out there you'll have this super weird set and like teams are confused they're like wait is that vic wait yeah, that's there's garcia like, there's like three guys who could throw the ball to like anybody they have no wide receivers yeah on the there's field. no wide receivers on the field <laughs> the whole the whole defense is confused yeah yeah i mean you know i guess you could you could see the uh Kolb lateral back to Garcia, who then throws to Michael Vick, who then throws to Brian Westbrook, and, and then and then in complete <laughs> irony, Matt Castle gets the interception. Yes, yes, Mister Everything, Matt Castle, uh, he comes in and picks Vick off for a pick six. All uh, right, we've uh, had our complete uh, <laughs> breakdown there of uh, that, what possibly will never happen. Yes, but let's be serious for a minute. Vick in a Philly jersey after two years, basically away from the game. Um, what what can we expect from Michael Vick? Do you think I, I I think I'm more with you on this, where you'll see him come out in some sort of variation, whatever they're doing, uh, you know, wildcat, single wing, wing T wise, you know, whatever they're gonna do there. Um, I think you'll see him, especially if it becomes garbage time, where they're just up really big in the fourth quarter. I think you might see him let Vick play the whole fourth quarter. If they're up really big, I don't know. I haven't seen a good spread of this come out yet. I know uh, I think a lot of uh, books are waiting on the. Uh on the update of the quarterback, whether we'll see Kolb again or whether we'll really see uh, maybe Garcia. Uh, I, I thought Kolb looked okay. He had the yards. I don't think he had uh, the necessarily the field, the offense. I think it became a shootout really fast, and uh, he threw a couple of interceptions and really let it get out of hand. Uh, so we'll really see who they go with in this game. If they go with Kolb uh, again, probably well. Uh, I would like to see Garcia. I don't really understand why you sign a guy and don't start him. Yeah, especially since Garcia has had success running this offense in the past when he played, um, you know, in Philly the first time. You know, he took them to the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why Garcia's not in there more. He's a very capable starting quarterback in this league, and you've got Kevin Culp who's backed up uh, McNabb since the moment he's entered the league. And McNabb, you know, up until here recently, he's been pretty much an Iron Man. He's been – you know, he's been Philly's version of Favre, you know, for a while, you know, where he wasn't really getting injured too much and, you know, he was playing hurt, you know, things like that. So, you know, I, I'm real shaky on why they're not starting Garcia. But I think we, uh, I think we, I think they took our advice. They must have listened to the pump fake a couple of weeks ago when we told them, you know, if McNabb's ready to go, don't bring him back until after Kansas City because they're bye weeks next week. So, you know, I think they listened to our words. They heated. Heated our advice. Heated our advice. Do not waste McNabb yet. And and they're not out of it. I mean, they've lost to uh, to the Saints, of course. And, I mean, uh, you look at it, that was a tough loss. But, you know, it, the way the Saints are playing, I don't think McNabb would have helped him at all. So, I mean, that was no, probably a loss anyway. Drew Brees is out of his mind this year. I mean, he's already thrown nine touchdowns in two games. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so. he's just in another realm right now. He's in 2007 Tom Brady mode. 
Yeah, I mean, he could. Uh, he's literally he could he could pass Brady's fifty touchdown mark. Yeah, he's just on this mode where every guy is open, and they really are to him, and he just puts the ball right on him, and and they're catching him, and he's taken a bunch of guys that are not all star wide receivers. I mean, there's no Randy Moss. This is Lance Moore and, and Marquise Colston. I think. Yeah, Marcus Colston and. Jimmy Johnson came over from NASCAR <laughs> and is running back in a. Oh, I thought he came out of the Fox booth. He came out of the Fox booth too. Yeah, yeah you never know. Yeah. So, well, Vic uh, eligible to return. I, I think you'll see him if it's garbage time in the fourth quarter. He'll, you know, uh, Andy Reid will probably let him play the fourth. Um, and as we've discussed, I believe he'll probably just come out in some kind of variation of whatever single wing wing T Wildcat, you know, deal they're running. So. You know, that's what we can expect, I think, in Philadelphia this weekend. You will see Vic on the field in uniform and all of his bad news kennels glory. And uh, we'll see how it goes, you know, two years away. So. Two years away. We're looking forward to it. Yep. Well, Monday, uh, Sunday night, the late game, we saw a very good NFC uh, East battle between the Giants and the Cowboys in Jerry Jones's ridiculous stadium. I mean, that thing is, that, that thing is by far the – I will go watch anything there. Uh, Barney on ice. I will go watch that there just to look at the big screen. <laughs> oh, geez. It was immense. I mean, literally in the upper deck, they have dancing cage girls. What? Really? Yes. There, there's a, You have your cheerleaders on the field, but then upper high, there's girls in cages that are dancing. They have go-go, they have go-go dancers. That but they're dressed like cheerleaders, them. so they're cheerleaders, if you so to speak. Strippers? Strippers? What? Maybe. Okay, never mind. Uh, no, well, see, it, it's just crazy. And, I mean, it, you know, you look at Tony Kornheiser was uh, t- was talking during the uh, Monday night game. He's like, I- I'm just confused that they don't have dancers in the in the upper deck in this game also. It's <laughs> what, it's one of those random things. I mean, there, there's just stuff everywhere. There's a bar, and down below you can watch the players walk in. They walk through the bar. That, to me, is so cool, though. It's amazing. To me, that is so cool. I mean, how intimidating is that you are the visiting team and you are on the field warming up, and then all of a sudden the Cowboys come out on the 50-yard line. I mean, they don't come out the side, uh, you know, in the end zones like most NFL stadiums. They come out on the 50-yard line, you know, with the with the whole smoke and the pyro and all that stuff. I mean, that was fantastic. I yeah, it's like Jerry Jones went and asked every uh, every NFL fan what they wanted. What would you like? And they're like, I'd like to see the players walk out while I'm drinking my beer in the bar. It's like, okay, we'll do that. I'll pay for those tickets. I mean, that, to me, that's cool. I'm just worried about what's going to happen because I think they were uh, at halftime there. I think that uh, everything was going okay for uh, the Romo boys there. I think everything was going okay. But I'm interested to see what happens um, the first time, you know, they're getting, like, blown out at halftime and they got to walk back through that bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's two quarters of a bunch of Texas guys getting liquored up. Well, at the end of the game, they had to, though. (laughs) No, I know. So, I mean, that to me is, like, dangerous. But if you saw the Giants come out, um, I don't know if they came out in a separate entranceway. It looked the same to me. Um, But they had, like, plexiglass, uh, you know, inserts and stuff like that, like lining the entranceway for the Giants players to go out. So um, I I think that if – I don't. I don't think there'll be any fan interaction, but uh, it, it was cool. The the stadium's cool. All that hoopla about the you know the kickoffs and the punts hitting the scoreboard. They didn't even come close. Didn't come close, and I really was looking for it. I really expected I, I think to that's see more it. More of a warm up thing, man. People trying to hit it. I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to be an issue. In I, I couldn't. Game. I couldn't see a point where a kicker did it. And you really, you saw during the warm ups, and uh, during especially in the preseason when they really could hit it like at will, and it seemed like they. 
you wanted to. If you really wanted a good hang time, you were going to hit it. Yep. And then we get to game time in the first big game at Jerry Jones Disney World, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, and I mean they and they were kicking the ball. I mean they they showed it. Um, and it's actually kind of weird, like when you're watching the game and they do the broadcast, you can see on the top of your television screen, you can just see that little box like hanging down. You know what I mean? So it's actually kind of kind of weird to see. But they were showing the ball. I mean, it wasn't coming anywhere near the, the scoreboard. So I, I think Jerry Jones is good. He doesn't have to raise it. Um, now, I'll tell you what else is good. Uh, Mario Manningham really showing up for uh, Eli Manning. That was a big question mark with Plaxico not being there, who he was going to throw to. And I really think that they found the guy. I really think Eli has found a lot of wide receivers. Uh, they really were question marks of all these guys. I think half of these guys would start for the Bears. You look at <laughs> Manningham, Steve Smith, uh, Hickson, and you got Hicks, who's hurt. It, it's just an amazing amount of wide receivers, and they're all good. Smith, not the fastest guy, not the strongest guy, but just a, a superb route runner. Uh, he's just fundamentally sound, one of the probably the best route runners in the league right now. And he just gets open, runs a clean route, and Manning will hit him. Yep. Manningham, you got he can run down the field, catch the ball. He's Plaxico Burr's light. He's what you need. He replaces him perfectly. Manning found him ten times, uh, 150 yards, you know, and a touchdown. That's a good day's work, you know. I think for you know somebody. Now on the flip side of that, uh, Romo's big target from what it looked like here was uh, Marion Barber, 18 carries for 123 yards. We don't know how much of Marion Barber we're going to see because he's injured. Yeah, it looked like he pulled up Gimpy. Uh, so uh, we'll see about that. We're still waiting on word on what's really going on with that. It it looked like he was broke, broken away and uh, was really scoring an easy touchdown and came up limp there. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, it looks like pulled hamstring, pulled murder, crusher, ligaments. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, nothing worse than a strained quadricep. Strained quadricep. It's still hard on a running back when it's probably when you're on offense, but you really see with Felix Jones behind you, you really have a lot of room there to maybe have not have a Marion Barber uh, full full force. Yep. Now I'm kind of upset I dropped uh, Felix Jones in the fantasy. <laughs> yeah, you got to think. Felix Jones. Felix Jones, pick him up. He's a strong pickup right yeah, now. Should be your top if, waiver pick. And if you're you playing know? in my league, and I know some of our league guys are listening right now, uh, Felix Jones is out there because I dropped him. So, you know, so uh, uh, the Pump Fake Fantasy update, uh, pick up Felix Jones if you don't already have, which you should already have him. Just for this week, though. I, I don't see him going any farther than, like, you know, week four and stuff because Marion Barber will be back. I think he's a good change of pace. I think you'll see a lot more, especially because we, we, we see that Tony Romo has no good receivers, and he obviously throws a lot of interceptions. Uh, I mean, he did bounce one ball off of uh, Witten's leg that oh was intercepted. God. That was crazy. But still, you look at they really have to run the ball more. Uh, really look at Philly Jones had seven carries. Barber had 18, but I think they should run the ball a whole lot more. Uh, I think there's just going to be tons more running. Roy Williams looks awful. He almost looks like he shouldn't play in the NFL. He's going to the same route. Charles Rogers should, and just be a former Detroit lion who shouldn't play in the league anymore. Yeah. He, he got into it with Romo early and Romo was mad at him and just, he pretty much got no play. I just don't know right now if you could trust Romo to, as he did here, throw the ball 29, 30 times. Because, I mean, you know, he didn't even really, you know, he didn't do anything with it. You know, 127 yards, 33 of those were to Jason Witten. And the one touchdown he threw was to Jason Witten. You really look at this, that total performance reminded me of Jay Cutler, uh, first game against the Packers. And Romo did not get even close to the amount of bad press that Cutler got. Cutler was destroyed, and Romo... With probably worse receivers, none of those receivers are good. Mike Austin, Roy Williams is washed up. Sam Heward, Patrick Creighton, they're all nothing as good as probably equal to the Bears wide receivers. 
and Romo gets gets still gets not even close to the amount of bad press that Cutler got after yeah, that game. After watching that game, I you know my my Cowboys pick to win the East is looking very very grim. Um, I just you know Romo's not an elite quarterback in this league. Um, I mean, there's at least 10, 12 other quarterbacks I would rather have if I was starting an NFL team today that I would take over Tony Romo. He's average. Oh, easily. He's average. And, you know, we put him up on this pedestal because he's dated, you know, Jessica Simpson and he's, he's famous outside of football. We put him up on this pedestal that he is like, you know, the next Favre because you've heard those comparisons all the time because he runs around. And it's not because he's trying to find a better option. It's just because he's got nobody to throw to. And he's not confident, I think, that he can complete some of the passes that he throws anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm really dissatisfied with Romo. I think he really needs to take that job at ESPN and sit in the booth and take calls uh, for J.A. Adonde. Oh, yeah, where he, where he had the wrist strap on, and he was like, oh, Jay, you've got a you know, meeting in 10 minutes. That was, that was good. That's, that's the future. <laughs> that's the future job for Tony Romo. You yes. heard it here on the pump fake. Tony Romo, <laughs> not pump fake fans. Now, All right. Now, going, going to a real quarterback – um, you know, leaving one man and going to the other. Did you watch that Monday night football game where Peyton had the ball for 14 minutes and 58 seconds, and the the they 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 won? You you don't see that very often. I mean, they had the ball for basically one quarter of football, and Miami had it for the rest of the time. <laughs> that Miami ran for 200 plus yards that game, and. Peyton throws a 12-second yard, 12-second touchdown pass, and I mean, comes up big, wins the game, Monday Night Football. Uh, I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I completely shocked. Uh, you really have to say, I mean, they, they've done the numbers, and I think three teams in the whole history of like the last 20 years have uh, really ran the ball or had that much time of possession uh, and that many yards rushing and did not win a game. And you look at 15 minutes, and I mean. And half of those 15 minutes were like nothing. They were three and outs. We're talking, there was probably like uh, one minute, 30 seconds of touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I think they said what, that uh, Peyton had, uh, they had three offensive series, I think in the second half or something like that. Or yeah, the they, they touched the ball one time in the third quarter, that's, and it was for three and out. That's, um, that just shows, I think. And I know everybody was kind of like, you know, weird, like, you know, oh, Jim Caldwell's taking over, you know, Tony Dungy's not there anymore. Uh, Marvin Harrison's gone doing whatever he's doing. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez got hurt. Uh, so they're all worried about, you know, Peyton's got nobody to throw to. You know, you forget about a little guy named Dallas Clark. Um, and you also just forget that Peyton is just all world, uh, you know, all world quarterback. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it really, I think a lot of it played into the inexperience of, uh, of Miami's coach, Tony Spagalali. Oh, uh, <laughs> Tony Sperano. Tony Sperano. Uh, <laughs> not being able to call uh, good defensive plays. I think Manning is too smart a quarterback to try to blitz on and not have deep safeties. Uh, and it was ever apparent as the Dallas Clark would just catch a pass and just run free. Uh, you have screen passes to uh, uh, Creighton uh, or Brown. It was Donald Brown had the screen pass and would just ran the whole field. And I mean, you just, if you're going to blitz, you got to hit Manning. And he's going to pick up on it, so you better hope you get there. And you better have deep safeties to cover the long play because it's coming. Yeah, I mean, the longest um, – it looks like here the longest uh, drive of the of the game for, uh, you know, Indianapolis, I think, ended in a uh, Adam Benatari field goal from 43 yards out. So, I mean, it's not like they drove the ball down the field. <laughs> you know, I just 
that 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 was very impressive to me. Uh, just showed how underappreciated I think. I mean, well, Peyton's not underappreciated, but you know, compared to like a Brady, you know, or a Romo, even you know, he's not this glitz and glamour guy. He doesn't marry supermodels, you know. He doesn't date actresses and stuff like that. I mean, Peyton's the real deal. I mean, that's who you want, and probably would be you know going back to if I was starting an NFL team today. You know, other than nostalgic, you know, I would pick Brett Favre just to have Brett Favre on my team. I, Peyton Manning is number one. I, I would take Peyton Manning number one. He's the smartest quarterback in the league, and he get, he just gets it done, which has shown he didn't have a lot of time to do anything, you know, uh, Monday night. But when he had it, he uh, he got it done. Yeah, he just annoys me. But, yeah, he, <laughs> if I was starting a team, I, I, you would have to start with him. But he does annoy me just because of his constant play calling and constant trying to outsmart the defense. I think he does it too much. Uh, I think the three and outs were on him uh, in that game. Uh, they weren't really on uh, the wide receivers. I think he caught uh, just the Miami defense looking or trying to be too aggressive and really busted out some 80-yard plays. I mean, we had De- uh, Dallas Clark with an 80-yarder, and I think it was, what's his name? Uh, Donald Brown with a 15-yard, but it was uh, Garkin. <laughs> with a 48-yard pass for Manning. Both those plays were really just two guys breaking free, and it was a screen pass on one that uh, Manning called uh, called the uh, called the play at the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things where he just caught Miami being over-aggressive. It wasn't really great throws or anything. It was short passes more than anything. Yeah. I don't know. I just uh, I wasn't feeling Manning that was his best game, and I think he knows that also. I mean, he threw for 303 yards and two touchdowns. I just didn't fall in love with Manning at the game. Maybe I didn't see enough of him. Maybe if he was out there all game, I would have I would have fell in love with him some more. But I don't know. I really liked what Miami did. I think if I had to bet that game, you know, nine out of ten times, I'm still taking Miami. If you tell me that they're going to hold the ball for 40 minutes, yeah, um, you know, they ran 35 plays. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is going to be this is this is going to be staggering to you here. Uh, the Dolphins ran 84 plays. To Indianapolis is thirty-five. They ran they ran forty-nine more plays than Indianapolis did in that game. That's ridiculous. It is absolutely that ridiculous that Miami just all they had to do was tackle. Well, and that ten that Ted Ginn catch in the end zone there, he should have caught that. Should have caught it. Should have caught that. You think that there was some pass interference going I on? I think there. there's a little bit, and they didn't talk about it. And maybe uh, I'm naive to the NFL rules, but. I think he touched him, and maybe I, I'm just thinking because uh, I really wanted that touchdown because I wanted Peyton to be beat in the last two minutes. Or do you think in a close game on Monday Night Football that the referees are just maybe letting him play? I, I think that's what it was because it was close. You say, I mean, he was a split second too soon, but I think if the guy's jumping up in the air, uh, if you're holding his jersey, I think it's pass interference. I don't think there should be any doubt. Most most of the time, though, in the league, you'll see if, if two – if a you know if a if a defensive back and a wide receiver are in the air together and it does not result in a catch, I think most of the time you see pass interference called. I think it was probably a good call that there was no pass interference because Ted Ginn he wasn't he wasn't impeded from catching that ball. It hit him in the hands. He it did hit him in the hands, he but catch it. he had his jersey. It, I, I've always said if you if you have a guy's jersey, if it's on the offensive line and you have a guy's jersey, it's a penalty. If you're a defensive back and you hit a guy's jersey and you lift up his jersey and you see the jersey physically leave the person's body, it's a penalty. It yeah. wasn't a penalty then. I say, what if? Yeah. Well, just a heck of a ball game on Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football has been fantastic so far in the three games that they've had. So, you know, that, that has got me tuned in every week now. If Monday Night Football has been great. It's Gruden's been, been great. Gruden's Jaws, awesome. and you phenomenal can't, you broadcast. Can't say, you can't say much more about Mike Tirico, that he's probably the best in the biz. I would love to be a parrot on his shoulder. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Mike Tirico is... Just be a parrot on his shoulder spewing random thoughts <laughs> and repeating what he said. Just so I could be the guy that repeated Mike Tirico. Mike, Mike Tirico is fantastic. So enough of our Tirico love fest. Um, we're going to get into some San Francisco. I know that'll make at least one of our listeners happy. Um, 2-0. and oh. uh, Singletary's got him playing. Frank Gore went off last week. Um, sole reason I lost my fantasy league was Frank Gore. Um, do they do they have what it takes, John, in your expert opinion, to continue this and to be that you know that surprise team out of the uh, NFC West, much like the Cardinals were last year, you know, and what we predicted Seattle to be this year? Do do they have the do they have the wherewithal to be that team? Did, are they going to make the playoffs? I guess I know it's only week three, but well. Here's my take on it. If Hasselback doesn't get hurt, I think uh, Seattle makes that a game and maybe even wins 24 to uh, 23. Uh, I think Gore has less rushing yards, maybe. I know he had 160 yards on two plays. Oh, they leaned on him hard. Yeah. So it was really the defense that's really been carrying San Francisco. They hurt Matt Hasselback. He went with a uh, lower back strain, turned into a broken rib, took him to the hospital, the whole thing. But with uh, Matt Hasselback in there, they're a totally different team. Uh, he really can hit TJ Hushmanzada. He only had was thrown to, I think, 10 times. Uh, and when you're down two touchdowns, you, you, when you're airing the ball out, you need to hit your strong guys, and it has to be TJ. Seattle's one always this year has been one of my strong picks, and I did like Seattle in this game. I think it's a lot different game with Hasselback in there. Yeah, uh, I'm not sold on San Francisco yet. I'm not sold on Sean Hill. Uh, I'm sold on Frank Gore. I think he's an excellent running back. I think he carries the team. Their defense is still a little suspect to me, um, but yeah, they be on. They won, so I give them props. Yeah, uh, Frank Gore. The the bulk of his uh, yardage there on a 179 yard run and a career best 80 yard run. Um, I mean, you know, but that that to me just exposed Seattle. If they get in front of a, you know, if their defense gets in front of a good back, can they stop him? And Frank Gore is a good back, so that's that's my that's my question. You know, um, my whole philosophy may have changed now after that Monday night game, but I still think that if you win time of possession, you win the ball game. Um, you know that ev- that wasn't evident in the uh, Monday night game, but you know, I just I just feel like uh, you know. If, if if Seattle's defense can't stop the run, then I don't know if they've got any chance of being that surprise team that we all thought they were going to be. I've always well, I've always had this thing where if you break out one uh, eighty yard play, it's maybe um, somebody missed an assignment, and, and it's one play, and, yeah. and it's done with. You you can fix that. You can move on. You go in at halftime and you say, all right, here's what happened. You missed your assignment. Somebody busts out an eighty yarder, but two times. Eh, it's a bad defense. Yeah, and I mean, he got to that second level, obviously, because of those runs. Um, I mean, where, where's where, where's the help from the uh, DBs and, uh, you know, everything, <laughs> the people who are supposed to back up that defensive line? The safety's not <laughs> there. Yeah, you know. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy San Francisco for right now. Um, I think that, you know, they've got a good mix of uh, defense and uh, running, which is going to, you know, obviously give them the edge. Like it did this game, they held the ball for almost 35 minutes. It's going to give them the edge in time of possession, which most of the time is going to equate to wins. So I'm going to go ahead and, and buy San Francisco and um, see how far we can carry them. I am not sold on San Francisco yet. I, th- I think they lose at uh, Minnesota coming up. Big game. Uh, not really Sean Hill. I don't think he's going to do good against Minnesota. Uh, I think he throws an interception, another fumble. 
Uh, he, he's not really a passing quarterback, so I don't really like him uh, against uh, Minnesota, being able to do much. Frank Gore, eh, I think he's going to have some yardage against Minnesota, but I don't think he has quite the big game he had against Seattle. Uh, and then as far as Seattle's future, I think uh, they'll probably have another bad game against uh, the Bears. But uh, I'd like to see Hasselback kicking back uh, uh, the week after next, really coming back strong after that injury. And uh, Seattle will still be a good team. Yeah. Well, that leads us to this week then. Um, big games. What jumps out at you this weekend? Uh, I don't know. What do I like? I know it's so well. Hard. Minnesota, San Francisco. You look at that. I mean, that's a pretty big game. Two yeah, and zero, two, two and zero. Yeah, and you got two of the best running backs in the league, Adrian Peterson versus Frank Gore. Yeah, you really in that game. You really just want to see running backs run. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got Far Favre, who is uh, doing just what he needs to do. Um, you know, throwing for what 155 yards this week. Two weeks ago, he threw for what 127, something like that. You know, I mean. You know, I think it's uh, just just enough up. to win the game. I mean, that's that's pretty much their game plan. I think they're continuing to do it. Yep, another good game here. Uh, Atlanta at New England. Atlanta two and zero going into New England, who's coming off that loss to the Jets. 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 Um, yeah, that ha- that that has all the makings of a good game. Tom Brady's mad. Tom Brady's <laughs> mad. The Falcons look good. Yeah. Uh, heading up to New England. I mean, I think a lot of people had this pegged as a uh, a good uh, a good loss for uh, for Atlanta, but. I don't know. New England's uh, defense can't stop anybody. Uh, their offense doesn't look great. Atlanta's defense has looked good. Their offenses look spectacular. Uh, you got to say this is going to be closer than you think, and uh, I like Atlanta. Yep, and uh, another key game, uh, Philadelphia uh, hosting the Chiefs. Uh, Michael Vick's big return. Um, and then you get, uh, you get you get Denver at Oakland. Uh, so we're going to see how for real Oakland is if they're improved offense and you know their obviously improved defensive line can. And we're going to see how good Denver really is. Denver's really shocking. Uh, they're, they're a a weird two and zero. They probably shouldn't have won the first game. Uh, quite lucky. Uh, and then you look at the second game. They really were kind of good. Uh, I guess. I mean, Kyle Orton had almost three hundred yards passing. Uh, nothing eerie about his play at all. It was just good defense, quite good. So uh, I don't know. Denver's better than we thought. Maybe uh, Denver at Oakland. No, uh, I like Oakland's defense at home. Still a tough game. It's almost a toss up. It's a coin flipper. Yeah. Um, and then we get Monday night uh, take two at uh, Cowboy Stadium, Carolina at Dallas. Delome coming off. Well, I would rec- I would say it was a rebound game from his atrocious first game. Um, you know, versus a Dallas team who. Uh, they got to make the boss happy. They they got to get that W at the uh, at the new Cowboy Stadium there. You know that that's that's going to be a game to uh, look at as well uh, this week. What do you think there, sir? Yeah, it's, I'm looking for the uh, part two of uh, Dallas Cowboy Stadium, especially on a Monday night, so I can uh, I can hear Tariko echo throughout the stadium. Uh, so that'll be really good. Uh, but we'll have to see. Oh yeah, um, you know take take two uh, at Jerry World. Um, it should be should be quite the game if if this if 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 this Monday night game lives up to what the other three Monday night games have been this year it should be a, it should be a good game not sold on Romo Barber's out we're gonna see Felix Jones uh, so it should be it should be quite interesting uh, it should be quite interesting game yeah I really this is one of those games where you say Carolina has not played good Dallas has looked not really good they looked good their first game nothing spectacular second game really looked kind of bad Romo three interceptions. Uh, and then you look at all of a sudden Carolina's coming to town now who has not looked good and they're nine and a half point underdogs. Yeah. Uh, I'm liking Carolina maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, uh, you know, that's going to wrap up your NFL weekend. 
Um, so I think uh, coming up next here, John, after a quick word, we're going to delve into the uh, wild card races here in uh, Major League Baseball. A little baseball talk, a little pump fake. Here's a word from our sponsors. Every second, thousands of people search the Internet for service companies in their area, only to end up with a lousy service experience due to limited information. Angie's List takes the guesswork out of finding good service companies by providing its members with thousands of unbiased ratings and reviews of their local service companies. With the help of Angie's List, consumers can quickly find the service provider that they need to make an emergency repair to their car, complete a major home improvement project, or even plan a wedding or take the best of care of their pet. Please call Angie's List at 1-866-943. You are listening to The Pump Fake. We are on the web at thepumpfake.com. That's thepumpfake.com. You can check us out on Twitter. We are at pfake. You can also download all of our podcasts right from iTunes directly into your iTunes library. Listen to all our rants, all our raves, all the scores, and all the great sports discussions you've become accustomed to. And please, if you have any comments or questions, hit us up on our Pump Fake hotline. It's one eight seven seven two nine four fake That's one 294 3253 thousands of people search the internet for service companies in their area. Oh, well, I guess we were going to hear about that again. But anyway, I just really wanted to hear Andrew's voice again because it was <laughs> it was just deep and loving. It was, you know. Sometimes you got to you know massage uh, the words in uh, sentences, you know, to make them have a little bit uh, better effect. So, but anywho, it's uh it's getting to be the last two weeks of uh, September. Um, you know, two weeks till October, and we all know what that means. That means Major League Baseball playoffs uh, picture should be starting to take shape. Um, We've 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 got a uh, interesting develop development in the uh, AL Central. Minnesota has just roared back to uh, make it interesting again. I know a couple weeks ago we said that uh, Detroit was running away with it, but not now. Yeah, Minnesota is right back in it. Uh, so we'll have to see if they can really uh, hang tough and continue on this little streak. And uh, uh, really makes it interesting if uh, they roll into it and continue on. And we have the little debacle on the uh, if they tie. And they have to move the Minnesota Green Bay Monday Night Football game, uh, so we'll see if Minnesota can continue on. Uh, Joe Maurer looking like a little MVP season uh, if he continues this on. They really make the playoffs. I think they have to give him the MVP. Uh, I think you know you look at you know, Tex and uh, Rodriguez will kind of split the votes, and uh, I think Maurer's your MVP. Yeah, and over on the NL side, all those races are pretty much uninteresting. Actually, all the races are uninteresting, really. Uh, you know, Colorado's five game back at the Dodgers, but. Colorado's playing 500 baseball in the last 10 games, and uh, Dodgers are 8-2. and two. So, you know, I, I think that uh, Colorado is settling in for a, uh, a wild card run. I think they've, they've come to realize that uh, the Dodgers have just been playing out of their minds, and uh, they're not going to catch them. So um, American League wild card race is all but over, really. You know, the seven games up on Texas. Uh, so it looks like we're going to eventually have uh, Boston versus New York for the 1,000th time this year uh, playing in the playoffs. And uh, the the National League wild card has actually gotten quite interesting again. You know, uh, San, you know, it was a battle between San Francisco and Colorado. Now the Braves have jumped up. You know, five games back along with San Francisco. You know, I don't I don't know if there's enough time to catch them, but you know, hey, you know, anything can happen. Uh yeah, I'm going. There's not enough time. I think the elimination number uh, seven games on Atlanta. Yeah. I think uh, seven wins by Colorado or seven wins by Atlanta, and they're done. Uh, or seven losses by Atlanta, and they're over with. 
yeah. uh, or any combination thereof. So I, I think Colorado's looking strong in this. I think they're even beating out San Francisco now, and it's straight up Colorado all the way now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I don't. I don't think uh, any other team. San Francisco. I really thought San Francisco was going to have the day. Uh, I think Brad Penny getting destroyed the other night uh, really hurt uh, uh, San Francisco's chances. Uh, they really thought they maybe had a uh, fourth or fifth starter in Brad Penny, and he just got pummeled the other night, uh, Saturday night, I believe, in uh, in that game. So uh, I don't I don't necessarily think San Francisco has what it takes now to really sneak up and take that wild card. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe maybe we'll get some uh, Braves inspired baseball now with the uh, Bobby Cox news today. Uh, their last 10 games, they're 8-2, and two, uh, and everybody above them is playing 500 baseball. So, you know, hopefully Atlanta could catch some fire, maybe ride a little bit of an emotional roller coaster and, uh, you know, on the upside and uh, maybe maybe sneak in there. I'm not, I'm not going to go that far out on that limb and say that they're going to overtake Colorado, but weirder things have happened. So, yeah, I mean, you got to think of they're playing the Mets now. They get one more game for the Mets. And those games don't mean anything. Remember when those used to mean something at the end of the year? That's right. <laughs> th- those used to be big games. So we got a, a game against the Mets tonight. Uh, today is Wednesday, uh, September 23rd. Uh, and then we go to the weekend series. We got uh, it's at Washington. Three games at Washington. If you sweep Washington, maybe you have something. Then you travel to, then you go back home and you're playing Florida, who not really playing for anything either. Maybe they give up. So maybe you went six in a row, yep. seven in a row, nine in a row. Then you end the year at Washington. Yeah. I mean, you don't play the Phillies anymore. That's that's quite interesting. You, you think it maybe nine wins? H- how many wins do you think it takes out of that? One, two, three, four, five. Well, let's see here. It really depends on what. 11 uh, games left. And, and Nine Col- wins maybe they can get in? Yep. And Colorado, actually, they've got their last little bit of schedule here actually shakes out to where. Uh, they're starting a uh, series with the uh, Padres. And then, which <laughs> shakes out very well for the Braves here, they got to play three. Uh, they they got to play three with St. Louis coming to town. So, you know, and St. Louis isn't going to let up. You know what I mean? I mean, they're still, I mean, you know, they're still, uh, I believe, playing for best record. Playing for best record. So they still have to play They to still win. have stuff to play for, you know. So I, you know, San, San Diego, St. Louis, then Milwaukee, which is always kind of dangerous, and then you finish up the year, um, October second, third, and fourth, at the Dodgers, who so, could still be playing for best record, right? You know, or depending on what Colorado has done over that last week, uh, week and a half, they could be playing for the division still. You know what I mean? Depending on what what shakes out, you know, with the Dodgers schedule and what you know, you see what I'm saying? So, really. You know the Braves have the best shot, I think, because they they play the cookie cutter schedule the rest of the way. If they don't play typical Braves baseball, which is just you know, all of a sudden their bats go cold and you know all that stuff, you could really be you know at the end of the season, maybe going into October, October one, you might see the Braves maybe have dwindled that, uh, you know, dwindled that uh, lead down to one or two. With all of a sudden, then you've got you know, all of a sudden you've got uh, Colorado playing the Dodgers. That that really kind of sets up well. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting, you know, and I haven't really you know, broken down the uh, games like that, but the games that they have against Washington, you really have to look at and say, if Atlanta wins these games, we might have something. I mean, and usually you would say 11 games left, uh, a five-game lead is almost insurmountable, uh, you would say. I mean, it's not something you could really say, oh, geez, they're going to come back and win it. It's almost to the point of insurmountable. The Braves have to play perfect baseball uh, to really have a good shot at this. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can't have one of those deals where – 
they win three out of ten games. You know what I mean? You, you've really got to be on your A game here, and it looks and, like so far they are. And they're playing Washington and the Mets, and the only games, the three games at Florida are key. I mean, you can really you could play your your average game against those other teams because they're not good at all, right? But if you can really hunker down and you win those three Florida games, you pull a sweep out. I'm thinking uh, they might be thinking playoffs. Yeah, and especially with the with with, with the schedule that uh, Colorado has laid in front of them with St. Louis Dodgers, an always kind of weird Milwaukee team. Um, you know, it, it could it could it could happen. We could be we could be looking at the Braves maybe as the wild card, which I've said for years. Maybe the Braves going as the wild card. Maybe they catch the magic, you know, instead of you know coasting in, winning the division like they usually do. So maybe we can see a return to the playoffs by the Atlanta Braves. Um, really, this time of year, John, there's not a lot of baseball to talk about, you know, considering all the races are pretty much done. Um, you know, maybe next week we can delve into MVP and Cy Young stuff. You know, yeah, I think we'll have a rousing discussion. I really want another week of uh, really looking at Zach Granke. I really. Uh, I really like Felix Hernandez out there in Seattle. I want to see another start out of him before I really am able to say, I really think this guy should be the Cy Young. I really think, uh, you know, Halliday is always kind of the guy, but Grinky with his start the other day, you really have to say he's getting close. But I really need another way to think about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of finishes up baseball, really. Um, you know, and just kind of to close the show, um, you know, this week here, some random thoughts. We had a, a pretty big fight. Uh, Boxing-wise, Floyd Mayweather Jr. comes out of a, uh, what is it, almost two-year retirement uh, to defeat Marquez. Um, from what I understand, I didn't watch the fight because I'm not a big boxing fan, but from what I understand, Floyd Mayweather didn't really have any bit of problem with Marquez. Um, from what I understand, that he was just, you know, fast as ever, you know, looked sharp. So Yeah, it just really just beat him up. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I think he w- it was a unanimous decision. Uh, totally destroyed him. Mayweather looked really good. Uh, he's still fast, still has really good defense, and really just destroyed Marquez. I think there was a couple times where people were surprised Marquez came back out. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I don't know. Mayweather looks good. Yep. Uh, another another uh, big sporting event happening this weekend. Uh, the FedEx Cup Championship will be crowned. Uh, Tiger Woods goes in as the leader. Um, I know there's been some rain in the Atlanta area here recently. Um, might affect the golf course. Is is there any way that Tiger maybe just doesn't close this out and finish this up? It, it's going to be close. I, does Stricker still have a shot here? I think he does. Uh, I think he is the one who. I think he's like. I think there's. I think. I think it's him. I think that's the only one that really has a shot of overtaking Tiger in this in this FedEx Cup. I. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't really like this FedEx Cup standing thing because it's like some some people option not to play one week and all this. Yeah, uh, it makes it really difficult to try to decipher kind of like what's going on uh, as who's leading this little uh, little tournament type of thing, and it's almost not it's as a good hyped. Idea. Up. It's almost not as hyped up as the NASCAR thing. Cause NASCAR right. thing is really important because you race every week. Yeah, and this is the so. kind of the model that they're going with, and it's really makes it difficult because it's like I can't even find the rankings. I can't even find what the rank is here. Yeah, so I don't even know. Well, we'll have more on that next week. Um, you know. Tiger, I believe, shooting for his second FedEx Cup championship. So, um, another little interesting uh, news and note here. Um, did anybody watch? Uh, did you watch uh, Michael Jordan's retirement speech where he pretty much uh, ran uh, Byron Russell under the bus? I did, and he uh, pretty much uh, said, "Brian Russell, uh, you can't. You, you got me. you got gamed. Yeah, you can't guard me." Well, now uh, Jordan might have uh, Byron Russell might have a chance to respond to Michael Jordan. Uh, the the Utah Jazz. Um, 
there there is a developmental league in the NBA, which is kind of like minor league baseball, where it's owned by different franchises. Uh, the Utah Jazz D League owner has put up a hundred thousand dollars for charity to see Jordan and Byron Russell play each other one on one. Would you watch that? I I would watch Michael Jordan walk down the street. <laughs> I mean, so pretty interesting. You know, it's pretty of, interesting. And here's the thing. Uh, Michael Jordan is that iconic player that you would watch do anything. And I say I'd watch him down the street because I would. I was in Vegas. I heard rumors that Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan were in town and they were playing cards at a casino. I went to that casino because I would just wanted to see them play cards. That's the most uninteresting thing to watch if you don't watch it on TV. And I watched them play cards. It, that's just, it's Michael Jordan. You, you watch him do anything. If he plays, it looks good. Yeah. I, I think it'd be really interesting to see if you know if that could come to fruition. And um, making its first appearance on the pump fake MMA news, a uh, couple little things. Uh, I, I watched it basically because my wife watches it and she forced me to watch it. And plus, the girls on Dancing with the Stars. Have you ever seen the outfits they wear? Quite, quite skimpy. Quite skimpy and quite so, hotness. Yes, and I, I was pleasantly surprised to see because I don't keep up with it. Chuck Liddell. Uh, dancing along the uh, floor there uh, looked pretty decent. Uh, you know, Chuck Liddell, the Ice Man, getting out there on the floor, twirling uh, little hotties around. Uh, yeah, know. Chuck Liddell is rather interesting. Uh, Dancing with the Stars has always been weird to me. So I mean, uh, 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 I'm not a big fan. Yeah, know. it's it's this whole deal. And Chuck Liddell went on this whole rant. He's like, Yeah, I'm going to concentrate on this. I'm really going to do a good job. I'm not I'm not going to mess around. Of course, after last night's show, we have video of him, and he's out. Uh, in the club, hammered, macking on this chick, and supposedly went home with her. Nice. So obviously he's not really focused. He he made <laughs> it through one week. I think he's ready to roll. He'll probably be gone next week. It's Chuck Liddell's normal self. Yeah, and um, he, another little uh, MMA news here is uh, Herschel Walker has signed a deal with Strike Force. He's going to a twelve month or twelve week boot camp uh, to get in MMA shape. Forty seven years old, ex football player Herschel. Um, are you rooting for him? Uh, I'm rooting for him, Herschel. Uh, the man can push a bobsled. The man can run through walls. The man can do anything. He yeah. can knock somebody out. I got his. I got his back. He's got the pump fake back. All right, Herschel Walker. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll we'll see if we can put it, put our name on his ass. MMA world champion. We'll we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, throw that out there. And we'll last a little bit. Uh, Quentin Rampage Jackson has decided to uh, call it a career in uh, the UFC because he got a movie role playing the Mr. T character in the A Team. Decided to focus on acting. And if anybody has ever watched, if anybody's watched uh, the Ultimate Fighter, I know it's only been on for one episode so far, but watch it tonight. It does come on. Um, he he translates okay to TV as a person. You know what I you know what I mean. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of acting involved in that reality show at some point. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. To- there's only so many of these parts, and there's these movie roles that you can do. Uh, whether you're Randy Couture, he did a movie. Uh, the Scorpion King. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and you look, there's only so many of those. And I think you look at it the same with the WWE guys. Uh, you see Gene Short guy. Uh, oh, yeah. How many times can you play like a cop or like a Marine or something? Right. Like, yeah, the Marine, stupid. the Billy Bob, the, the policeman. You know, there's only so many of those roles. And they're all generally B movies. I guess there's a career in that. You don't have to work out. You don't have to get hurt. But right. I, I, I don't know. He's not Rock. He's Stick. not the Rock. He's not. He's not. He can't do that. He, he needs to stick to the octagon. My only question is, does he still fight Rashad Evans at the end of the Ultimate Fighter season? I know that's usually the uh, blueprint. Is that the coaches fight each other, and that was the only way I think Dana White was letting 
those two fight each other. So does that still happen? I imagine I, it does. I, I hope it does. That's yeah. the whole reason. I mean, that's part of your draw to watch this. And I think it's a little disappointing. I think Dana White probably gave him a good talking to afterwards. And I, I'm sure he's going to talk about it in the show yeah. that, that they are going to fight. And because Dana White likes to take no pressure away or no, no press away from his guys. So, I mean, he, he doesn't want uh, Rampage really going out there and saying things like this. That he is going to retire and do be Mr. T full time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we promise to have more MMA news uh, in the show. Like you know, like we said, we, we're still uh, still getting our feet wet here, uh, trying to fit things in. But uh, MMA will make uh, regular appearances on the show. Um, John, I'm good if you're good, sir. I'm good. Uh, this has always been the Pump Fake. This is the Pump Fake podcast. You can always check us out at thepumpfake.com. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, at PFake. We always have some exciting discussions going on with all the NFL guys. Uh, you also look at, you can email us at thepumpfake, john at thepumpfake.com, uh, or you can always call our hotline and r- recommend anything. Cuss at us, whatever you would really want to do. Yeah, anything you, you want to anything you want to talk about, we'll talk about. No subject. Yeah, we'll, we'll play on the air. You know, we'll, we'll throw you out there and uh, throw you under the bus if we have to. That's what we do. Uh, you can call us one eight seven seven two nine four fake. And that's it. I hope you enjoy the show. Out. All right. Till next week. <laughs>